Greater Omaha Chamber in partnership with the Hyder College of Business at Creighton University, it's Lead Together, conversations to connect you and elevate all of us. A podcast to introduce you to successful leaders and inspire the leader within you. Today, we're having a conversation with the founders of Bravium Human Development, Nicole Bianchi and Jeff Shannon. Bravium provides workshops and training programs to help businesses foster innovation, develop strategy, and align teams. Both Nicole and Jeff have extensive experience in professional development, and I would say what sets them apart is the positive energy they bring to their work and their willingness to take risks. We start with understanding the name Bravium because, well, it requires an explanation, and it tells us a lot about the intention of Nicole and Jeff's work. Why in the world did you name this business Bravium? Go ahead. <laughs> we, um, so what's interesting about this is uh, Jeff and I share a connection around the bravery, kind of bravery and butterflies and, and things like that. And so as we started talking and the work that we do, the one commonality that we started noticing that was missing in leaders was bravery. And so we, we uh, and this was Jeff, he said, he's very much the innovative side of us where he said, well, what about if that's the missing element on the, on the chart, right? What about if it's, so he started going really technical with it and we started having fun and it was like, okay, so it's bravium, right? It's bravery. It's bravey. Um, it's the missing element on the what chart's that? Called? Periodic table. That would be the periodic table. <laughs> Some of us did better in science than others. <laughs> okay. So that's the missing element on the periodic table, which ended up being a lot of fun, and um, and did a nod to the butterfly, which is actually part of our logo as well. So yeah, and the butterfly story is. Uh, so in that very first session that her Nicole and I did together, where it was like, Hey, can you do innovation? And so I, I had done some work at ConAgra with some other consultants. So I used a story that they had taught me and, uh, and that story ended with, you know, it's not the courageous lion. When we think of the animal that represents, you know, bravery, we think of the courageous lion, but in reality, it's not, it's that feeling you get in your stomach when you don't know what the outcome's gonna be, when you don't know how it's gonna go, those butterflies of that moment and every great moment in your life has been connected with that feeling. The day you got married, you had that feeling in your stomach or when you had a child or you did something big, you had that moment in your stomach and you should embrace that moment. Uh, and, uh, and I told that story and then on the way home, yeah. Nicole, told me a story and I'll probably mess this up, but you know, a conversation she had had with her mother and, you know, as her, in her mother's last days and, you know, when will I know you're around? And she's like, well, the butterflies, you'll know when you see the butterflies. And so like, so her and I are driving home from Lego. We're both crying. <laughs> and we're like, we all right, this is going to work out. <laughs> we did. We did. So, we so did. then that eventually led to yeah. the story she just told. Yeah. So what is the key thing someone should consider before they take on a partner? And then other than skill set, why was Jeff right? And then Jeff, why was Nicole right when you were looking to get into this business? Yeah, so I think we were very patient in the beginning in exploring what it could look like. We weren't even quite sure what it was going to end up like. And so I think the patience enabled us to get to know each other really, really well, 
to test out some different concepts to make sure philosophically we were aligned in in what we both wanted to do individually and then together as partners. The other thing I would mention is um, because I've been asked this question by other business leaders that have forged partnerships and then they ended up um, crumbling along the way. And I think we got really clear and this was actually Jeff pushing this, which was great. We got really clear on what our core values um, wanted to be, what we wanted them to be. And then we actually practiced them and we actually put them, we'd meet at Starbucks at five 30 in the morning and we'd go through those and we started with straight talk. Right. So we were like, we have to have really open and honest conversations about where we're at. And we were um, running so fast, even though we we're a patient, we were running so fast that it was really important for us to make sure that we were living our core values and straight talk was just one of them. But that one was a really critical, one that um, I think really helped um, propel us forward. So, so why Nicole, Jeff? Um, for me, Nicole uh, brought a willingness to prototype. You know, like as she was saying, we tested our way to a long-term relationship. It wasn't um, it wasn't financially driven in the beginning. Our very first session was uh, was really like, hey, let's try something together. If it works, if it, I suggested it to her one day, the first time we met, I was like, I don't know if this is gonna work out or not, but it seems like something's right. Let's just try something. And I honestly didn't think she would call me back as quickly as she did, but she calls me back, I was like, hey, can you do innovation? I'm like, yeah, I've done lots of innovation. And it was great, I got us a gig, let's see if we can work together. And so we dove, we dove in and did the work together, but that wasn't, it wasn't about the money or the business model or any of those things. It was like, it was one gig at a time one project at a time where we started learning like what it was going to be like to work with each other. Uh, for me, Nicole's willing to, to take the long way to get there. Um, she didn't need to have everything buttoned up or really crystal clear in the beginning. She was like, Hey, I can operate in this fuzzy space of what this relationship might look like as it gets clear over time. And so I think that gave us a really nice foundation uh, of trust in our relationship. If you could, could you each tell me a story about when the other person's been great? Jeff and I were not working full time yet together. We're still uh, very much in the building uh, phase of what we're going to begin to do. And I'll never forget calling him one day saying, Jeff, you're not going to believe this. I sold in um, strategic planning to uh, a new client of ours. And while we did strategic planning, both in our roles and we didn't have yet a formal process to lean into. And I remember Jeff responding like, hey, you know, we don't we don't have that yet. And he, he was like, we'll go build it. I mean, it, what was so great about it was it didn't completely freak him out. And he was like, awesome. And I was like, no, no, this is a really big contract. Let's, this is going to be a really, really big deal. And he was like, okay, let's go build it. And off we went. So it was just a, a moment of pure greatness. Not like, Nicole, what have you done? I was like, hey, they love our concept. Let's go build it. Let's go play with it. And he was really, really great with it. All right. So I think uh, I, there are two things for me. Um, so we have a, we have a rule um, because it, in any sort of facilitation or training or strategy, you can start to get into the routine and a rut of like we just do because sometimes you find something that works. It's like we're just going to keep working the things that work. And so we had made a rule and I don't think we wrote it down, but we just agreed on this rule of we have to figure out a way to take a risk in every workshop. We have to try something. And I'm going to use recency, but this is just the latest example. So we're talking about, hey, what what could we do in this one that's coming up that's pretty straightforward, the one we did this morning. And I was like, well, I, I did just read this new warm-up activity that could be a little dangerous and I'm not sure how it could go. What do you think of doing it? And immediately, like most of the time when Nicole is like, awesome, let's do it. I'll do it. 
I'll kick it off. And I'm like, me, I'm a little like, eh. She's like, let's do it. I'll try it. You, I'll set it up. You do this. I'll do this. We're going to try it and see how it goes. And she's done that numerous times where I was like, ah, I'm not sure if we should take that risk. And I'm usually a pretty proactive person and she can push something a little bit further and she's willing to risk looking silly if it, if it's for the right cause. Right. And this one did work out perfectly. It was beautiful today. We're like, Oh, that's going in the arsenal. I would say the other thing that I think Nicole, um, I really admire about her is sometimes you get kind of some honorary people in some of these workshops. I mean, we deal with a lot of people. Um, and there's, you know, you start to notice patterns and it's not, it's often you'll see that, Oh, there's that person, that one archetype who's going to be the difficult person in this workshop. And we had one and this particular person was, was pretty, you know, I will say hierarchically at the top. And, and it was like, this person is getting in the way of this workshop that they're, they're the ones who hired us to come in and do this workshop. We're both there. And it's like, this isn't not going to land if we don't have that conversation. And I just appreciate that Nicole is always willing to be the person, just like the wrist thing. She's willing to walk over there, pull that person out of the workshop, explain to them the impact they're having on the team and, and do it in such a way that does not freak them out or upset them where they actually go, oh, wow, I had I had no idea the impact I was having. She does such a good job delivering that message. And then she ushers them back in the room and everything goes great. Um, I'm so glad when we when we share workshops that she's there to do that because I don't know if I can do it as well as she does. Would you attribute that to her extensive coaching experience? Absolutely. You heard Nicole mention the attention she and Jeff placed on setting their core values. So I asked them to name each one and tell us what they mean to the work they do. Yeah, so we actually have uh, five core values and uh, I'll share a couple of them. One is perseverance, um, which is such a good reminder for us that things are not always going to be easy, but that um, we'll find a way. Right. And that's OK. That's part of the journey. Um, another one is joy that uh, I absolutely love, because I think if we bring joy to what we're doing and we're bringing joy to the clients and we're experiencing that, we want to be at the end of the day, we want to have fun with we're, we're running a business. We want to have fun doing it. Right. And and, and a lot of that is, is are, you know, are we experiencing, are we feeling joy in what we're doing? Yeah. And can we bring that to others? Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. It doesn't have to be drudgery. Right. Work, work can be very fun. Yes. Uh, another one is, uh, is warmth and just reminding ourselves that that connection with other people, um, yeah. I mean, businesses, businesses get a bad rap, right? It's all about the business side of it. And it's like, it's not, it's about the connections and, and developing those and nurturing those connections uh, and just bringing that warmth to each of those group relationships, but as well as those individual relationships. Um, another one is, uh, is zest. Uh, we just thought it would, you know, zest is, you know, like enthusiasm, uh, just being enthusiastic about what we do and the type of work that we do and the type of projects and to lend our energy. We do a lot of helping people come up with ideas, right? Yeah. And to just bring some enthusiasm to the value of bringing up those ideas, I think is contagious uh, and helps other people kind of borrow that energy uh, for themselves when maybe they don't feel like they necessarily have it uh, yeah. uh, during the process. We, I was working with a group of leaders uh, earlier this week that um, it was a really technical, quiet group. And um, he brought that up. He came up to me at the end of it and said, the energy is what made the difference in the room today. And I really, really appreciate that. Yeah. So it, it's noticed. Yeah. I mean, we try to approach it like a, yeah. like you would a show, right? Like, yeah. you, like we yeah. try to approach it as like, hey, we have to bring it. Like, if you don't feel good. 
you still have to bring it uh, to the audience because they're, you know, they're going to do activities and it's not about us, but it, we do have to lend some energy before they can be willing to take those risks themselves. Yeah. Um, the last one is curiosity. And I don't know, nothing happens if you're not curious. Yeah. Right. You have to, you have to wonder, you have to want to know more. Uh, you have to want to dig deeper uh, than, than what's on the surface. And I, I think it's just a, a fundamental fundamental value to, to maintain. And Jeff, I think your example of the taking the risk every time we do a session is a great example of what us being curious in action is like, mm-hmm. right? How can we make it better? What can we try that's new um, and working with our clients? I think being, I think being a facilitator too, we, we set up the activity, we structure it, we lead it, but we don't know how it's going to end. No, and to me, that's the most rewarding part. I actually, I'm personally not very interested in when I know what the outcome is going to be. Like, I like taking that risk with the participants of like, yeah, this may be a little fuzzy and we don't know exactly how it's going to go. We're going to try something new or even something where I do know structurally how it's going to work. I don't always know how the, where the people will take it. And I think that's, that's the fascinating part is like, well, where, where will you take this? And I think we do a good job of owning it. Like today when we said, okay, we're going to try something new on you guys. And the one guy goes, oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> and at the end of it, he was high five at us. It was like, okay, that yeah. was all right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Nicole and Jeff spend time helping others learn and grow. So I asked them to share with our listeners how they continue their own leadership development. I guess I think of it in two ways, right? On one side is like on the reading and study side, right? I try to be really consistent uh, with that, reading as many books as I can, because there's so much knowledge out there and so much wisdom uh, out there. I would say on the other side is just trying things and doing things. Like we, we use it a lot in our workshops, done's better than perfect. And we use that for the workshop, but I feel like we use that as an approach of learning and experimenting too, just like with different methods and approaches and relationships and structures and being willing and nimble enough to like, uh, play with those things and figure out which ones work best for you. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I just, I can't prototyping is such an important part of running a business. I think becoming a leader, you know, putting yourself in that uncomfortable situation to like try stuff, right? Like I, we, 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 we teach people like how to get stage ready, like how to get up and present. And like, I had a, I was helping this group, uh, this big summit. There's like 500 people there. And this gal's off to the side. I'm helping her put the microphone on. We've done multiple rehearsals. She's never been on stage before. And her first time is going to be other than the rehearsal is going to be in front of 400 people. And I'm over on the sideline. I've got her, I'm putting the mic on her, getting her set up and she is hyperventilating. And I'm, I'm like holding her hands, you know, her hands are sweating. I'm like, it's going to be all right. You've rehearsed, you practice, you care about the content. I'll just go up there and do what we worked on. Okay. And she's like, I'm just so nervous. I'm like, I'm nervous too. And she just stops. I was like, you get nervous at this. It was like, Yes, of course we get nervous, like, but that's, but you have to do it anyways. Like that's the magic. It's on the other side of the butterflies or the nervousness, like all the good stuff's on the other side. Um, and I think just a willingness to try some of those things has, it's worked out like the willingness to be, put yourself in that uncomfortable spot and do something you wouldn't usually do. I feel like I'm never disappointed when, when that happens Yeah, and I, I grow and I wish I'd done more of it. Like, why didn't I, I should just volunteer to do that. And I didn't, you know, I should have volunteered more than I have to do uncomfortable things. Yeah. Cause you always grow from it. That's at least my yeah. experience. I, I do think, I do think it is about taking risks and I do think it's about, um, 
being comfortable doing that. Right. And, and I think back to so many pivotal moments in my career where I could have said no and stayed where I was at, but said yes. And probably really only had really was 60% ready or 70% ready for that opportunity, but said yes. And, and it was an environment and a culture where, um, you were supported in figuring it out. And I think, so one being able to say yes, I think is really, really important. And the other part was so many, uh, along that leadership journey, we can get so focused on what we're delivering for the business, what we're delivering to our teams that we forget to invest in ourselves. And that was something early on that I was really vigilant about every year. So you're talking about reading books, which, which I did. I probably wasn't as did as much as you did, but what I, where my focus was is where am I going to go develop myself this year? Right. So one year it was like, okay, Michigan Ross School of Business on Strategy. Next year, Center for Creative Leadership. Next year, Stanford. Next year, Coaching. So I was, I never wanted to lose sight. And there were probably a couple years in there where I didn't get, I wasn't able to get the funding or the support or things were going on in the business. And those were years where I noticed I didn't have nearly as much growth. And so Mm -hmm. being able to be, um, to put your development and growth equal or above, you know, where you're going with your team and where you're going with your business, I think is really, really important. I think you make a good point. Like the, the years that you didn't do it, mm-hmm. you notice that it slowed down. Cause I think I agree with you hundred percent in that, like, it takes a lot of effort to go to a summit or to go to a training or sign up for a certification or something yeah. like that. Like it takes effort mm-hmm. out of your usual routine, but like on the other side of that, you're always you learned one thing and it was like that one thing just changed right. the trajectory right. of how I feel. My, my wife and I, we joke about it. Like, right. Like you have to take care of the golden goose, right? right. You, you are the golden right. goose. Right. And when it comes to like budgeting, like you have your budget for groceries and budget for rent and all stuff. It's like, we have an unlimited budget for personal development. Mm-hmm. If it's going to make you better, mm-hmm. it's like, then that's money well spent. Yeah. If that means you have to go get some seminar or some certificate, like we will find a way to make that a priority. Who is one person who's been especially influential in your life? What lessons did you learn from that person? For me, I'm going to go with my father. He really made it clear to me that he believed in me and that I could do anything I wanted to. Like he, that was like something he communicated over and over again with his words and with his action uh, that he just had faith that if I just tried and applied myself, that it would work out. And, uh, and I, I think I borrowed that faith early on. Uh, I didn't necessarily have that confidence in myself, but uh, as I got as I got more experience, I started to believe what he believed uh, about me, uh, and that was incredibly influential in my life. One that uh, really stands out for me is actually a leader I had early on uh, here at ConAgra Foods when I was a part of that organization. And uh, I had uh, he was my leader for a couple of years, and then off and on for about. 10 to 12 years. And it was Jeff Brandstetter. And he actually was, uh, he was a leader ahead of his time, uh, for this, the environment and the company we worked within, within ConAgra Foods. He did a nice job of putting the guardrails out there, kind of, you know, guardrails. And he gave me the autonomy to go figure it out. Right. And to really kind of, uh, go test things and experiment. And, and I knew no matter what, even if I would head down a path that maybe I had gone down 
down too far that I needed to be pulled back from, but I didn't realize it at the time. He would do that. He would come and make sure before I completely crashed and burned. And when he would bring me back, it wouldn't be a directive like, Nicole, what the heck do you think you're doing? It was very much a coaching style of helping me realize through a series of really good questions that I may be heading down the right path. And how do I, then he would help kind of redirect me and share a bit of his expertise. But, um, he is just somebody that I had tremendous growth under because of what he, uh, by putting those guardrails and that autonomy in place. Tell me about how each of you defines success individually. And then how do you think you define success in terms of radium? I would say individually, what it comes down for me is, um, did I make a difference or will I make a difference? I would say, I guess my philosophy on this has been there's doing goals and being goals and doing goals being the scoreboard, the, the dollars, pick your measurement, right? Uh, I've never been very interested in that achievement is I think the last on my list of for the, for the strength finders. Um, I'm more about the being goals and just assessing whether I showed up in the way that I wanted to show up. Uh, that, that to me is like a, is a better measure. Like I know what I'm capable of and I know that if I, if I, if I really delivered that or if I didn't, and I'm the only one who can really tell, right. Cause there are there's numerous times, you know, when you're up front of the room or on the stage and you think, well, that was terrible. And someone will come up and tell you what well, that was powerful. And you're like, all right, well, I'm glad it was helpful for you, but I could have done better. Right. How many sessions have we done yeah, where it yes. was like, you're like, what'd you think? And I was like, I was terrible. You're like, no, we got like rave reviews. And I'm like, ah, oh, we got work to do. But that's just how I, that like, for me, it's like, we're pretty hard on ourselves though. Yeah. It's just, I, I think about it. That's just how I, I've just never been an externally driven person. It's like, it's for me, it's measuring of like, all right, did I say it? Well, how many ums did I, have I said on this podcast today? Like I can do better. That's, yeah. that's my personal, yeah. it's really mastery orientation. It is. Yeah. Thank you. Mastery is what it's all about. That's absolutely it. That's absolutely just knowing that it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm good at what I do. I know I could be better at it and, and those small improvements. Right. And, and that can be a little crazy, right? You can get a little crazy down that rabbit hole, but you can also like, it just pushes me to be like, all right, I, I could have done that better. I could have been a little bit better in that situation. Tell us a story about when you led with your heart without leaving your head behind. When I think about leading with my heart with, while not leaving my head behind, I think about a pivotal moment in my business. So this is before Jeff had joined and I was a, a running solo. I was two years into my business and uh, many of those that know me know that my mom had been diagnosed with cancer and and uh, she had really kind of fought a two-year journey and it was coming to an end of the two-year journey. And I, we didn't know quite a, how much time, but I knew it was we were going to have to be transitioning to hospice fairly soon. And I remember being, um, in her house one day and, uh, I kind of looked ahead at my calendar and all of the things that I had scheduled. And at that point in time, I probably had about eight to 10 clients, but they were pretty, they were pretty, there were several big clients. And I remember sitting there going, um, I need to make some shifts and adjustments to my schedule so that I could be there and more present and help care for her during her final days. And I'll never forget going, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go into the office and I'm going to call my clients and go through the list and let them know what's going on and that, um, I'm not going to be able to partner with them over the next couple months because I'm, and I'm not sure how much time it's going to take. 
And my head, my heart was saying, it's absolutely the right thing to do. Right. And you want to be here for your mom. And my head was going, you may not have a business to come home to. Like when this is all said and done, your business may be done because you don't know. And so I remember going in and making those phone calls and just being met with incredible graciousness from clients that I had built relationships with who said, we understand, we'll be here uh, waiting for you when you get back. And, and I, and I was so appreciative of their, again, graciousness in that moment. But I remember Lee, after I made those phone calls and I came out and I shared with my mom what I had done so that I could be there just all hands on. And it ended up being about eight weeks um, that I was able to spend with her that, um, I remember when she had passed, um, going in a couple weeks later and saying, uh, and picking up the phone again and saying, okay, I, you know, I'm, I'm ready to kind of re-engage and, and here's what's happened and, and that, and each and every client, um, saying to me, we, we've been waiting, we put everything on hold, we're ready for you. And me just going, oh my gosh, I, I mean, it was such a risky move because there was nobody but me to do the work. Right. And it's not uncommon when you're dealing with clients like GE or Union Pacific who are amazing companies, but they kind of move on, right. They, they have needs that need to be filled. They can't wait. And I would have completely understood that, but they didn't. They, they welcomed me back with open arms. And I remember going just, I may have to go work, um, some part, some job somewhere. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'll figure it out is what it is, what, um, I knew. So definitely one area where I led with my heart, um, and my head was not too far behind. Sometimes the best answers are thought of after the fact. So Jeff sent us his best head and heart story after we had already recorded. Here it is. Uh, leading with my head without losing my heart. Uh, so here's my story. Uh, I've been uh, a spokesperson, a board member for Special Olympics Nebraska for, you know, five years now. And uh, I've been a speaker uh, because I'm also a parent of a Special Olympics athlete. My son, Brady, has Down syndrome. And so I've been a speaker for what they call the Reveal the Champion uh, sessions, where they invite people in to teach them about what Special Olympics is all about. Uh, People are often surprised to learn that it's more than just sporting events, uh, that it's also health and education uh, as well. And so I've been speaking for them. I've been telling my story, talking about the birth of my son, the experience it was like, and how Special Olympics has made a big impact in my life. And during the summer games, I would uh, go to the powerlifting meet, and they'd have these sessions, and I would speak and tell our story. And I've been doing this for several years. I've probably given this speech 40 or 50 times. And Honestly, I had grown a little tired of telling the story because my life had changed so much and my son's life had changed so much. Uh, He was getting older and and the story had just lost some of its relevance to me. But I I remembered something that an old boss had said to me once, which was never underestimate the power you have to influence others. And I thought, okay, I committed to doing it. So I'm going to go and do my best. And so I get there and uh, there's only like three or four people in the room. and I get up after he went before me and they did an amazing job and I get up and I tell my story and I walk out of there and so be it, I was done. And I get a note uh, probably the next day and it's from this gentleman named Lonnie. It says, Jeff, do you, you probably don't remember me, but I was with Special Olympics International uh, and I was in the audience and I heard your story. And Lonnie went on to tell me that he had three children that were you know in their teens at the time and that his wife had really wanted to adopt a child uh, with special needs. 
And Lonnie had been resistant to the idea because, you know, his kids had grown up and he just didn't want to do it. And what really shocked me was that he had said that because of the speech that I had given and the story I told about, told about my son, that he had decided that was what he needed. And he went home from that uh, trip to Omaha and agreed to go ahead and adopt a child with special needs. Uh, so Lonnie and his wife adopted a little boy named Miles who has Down syndrome and is from Thailand. And uh, he sent me a note and let me know that that was the case. And it was just such a, a heartwarming thing to think about that, you know, even though I wasn't 100% into it, uh, it is a heartfelt story. And telling that story uh, has a big influence on others. Fast forward a couple of years, actually, and Lonnie has just recently reached out to me and let me know that uh, not only had they adopted Miles and that he's doing great and is healthy and and uh, uh, a bright, beautiful little boy, but they had also now gone and adopted uh, Miles's sister. And so it just goes back to to that saying that, that my boss had said, which was never underestimate your power to influence others. So fill in the blank. I will know Bravium is successful when? Bravium's already successful. Yeah. I, it, yeah. uh, and I say that, I'm going to say, here's why I think it's like, I get to, I get to work with great people. I get to work on lots and lots of different projects. Uh, I get to, I get to work on me and my own mastery because so much of the job that we've created mm-hmm. here is about us mastering ourselves so we can be more helpful for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, when we first started talking about different programs and things that we do, it was like, hey, our philosophy, we borrowed this from a friend of mine and it's make friends and help people. And, and it's, I'd say we're doing that. I mean, I, without a doubt, I wouldn't, I don't really, it doesn't have to change from what it is right now. Yeah. I, I would say ditto. Ditto to exactly what he's saying. I don't, um, I think we both, as we reflected on last year and directionally where we're heading this year, that um, we are just so pumped about how everything is coming together, how we envisioned. Um, and and have there been some spots where we were like, oh boy, I'm not quite sure. Maybe early on in the beginning, mm-hmm. not about the partnership, but like, hey, can we really make this work? Like, yeah, can is we this go? Viable business? Is this viable for us to do this together? Um, but absolutely by far. And um, yeah, I can't say anything more than ditto to what Jeff said. You two are absolutely amazing people. I'm blessed to know you both. Thanks so much for your time. Yeah. Doing the podcast. You're welcome. We appreciate it. Yeah. If you enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe, leave a review and share with others. Thanks to all of you for listening, and thank you to the Greater Omaha Chamber and the Hyder College of Business at Creighton University for supporting this podcast. Remember, we don't coast, we lead together. This podcast was produced by Liz Kerrigan with help from Linda Schaefer, Jill Bruckner, and Peter Burnell. I'm your host, Todd Darnold, and we look forward to our next conversation.